Merry Christmas. It is Christmas Day, and I'm asking you, what do you see? What do you see? I'm telling you what I see on Christmas Day. First thing that I see on Christmas Day is our family pet, Bella, or Dotson. Why do I say that? Because she's hungry, and she's whining, and she's waking me up, and it doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day or not. Uh, she's going to wake me up because she is hungry. You know, when, when I was a kid, I remember Christmas days. I don't remember them vividly, but I do remember a few things about them. Uh, one was my sister, who is four years uh, older than I. Uh, I remember the Christmases with her. I don't remember a whole lot with my brother. He was 11 years older than I was, and so I don't remember a whole lot of Christmases with him. But I remember those Christmas Day mornings waking up because what we were allowed to do is we could wake up before our parents woke up, and we could get into our stockings. And I use the word stocking loosely because it was a sock. It was not a stocking that I have for my grandkids and kids now. It was a sock that uh, was pulled out of a drawer, and my parents put stuff in it. And usually that was fine because there was a couple toys maybe in there, but there's usually candy. You know, usually those, you know, little small Hershey's and good bars and the dark chocolate that I threw away, you know, uh, that's what I had. And so we would get into those. Uh, that's the only thing we could do. We couldn't open up presents. My mother usually worked at the hospital on Christmas Eve night because she was always taking somebody else's spot. She didn't, didn't want them to miss time with their family. So she would volunteer. She usually worked Christmas Eve night. She usually worked Christmas day night. Um, because the evening shift. So we had to wait for her to get home before we could do any opening of Christmas presents. And it's okay, because part of mom's tradition was when she gets off from work on special days and on Sundays, she'd be bringing Krispy Kremes home. So we were good of waiting on her, because we were getting Krispy Kreme donuts. That was, that was our treat. Uh, but that, that was, that's what, what we did. But you know, today, Christmas Day is, is not a typical day, though. It, it is not a typical day. Things are just different this one day a year. No, nothing is the same. Uh, even the way most of us wake up is different on this day. Uh, we are either getting up earlier than normal or we're traveling uh, possibly at some point during the day. Maybe, maybe this is a a, a novel thought. Maybe we actually sit down and eat a breakfast or a brunch together as a family. <laughs> that doesn't happen a whole lot, does it? But it could happen, may happen a lot on today, all right? But here's the truth about this day. Because Jesus is born, everything is different. Because Jesus is born, everything is different. Simeon character in Luke chapter 2, experienced this as well. When he experienced Jesus, Jesus was actually 41 days old. And he knew, he knew that the child he was holding was different. Unlike any other ch child he had held in his lifetime, he knew that this child was different. So we pick up the story, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 forward. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, and this was a time period that the woman, because of loss of blood and everything during a, a childbirth, she had to wait before she could enter the temple. When that time had come, 
Again, 40 days, and then the 41 days they arrive. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every first male, firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is interesting to note because a lot has been made over the sacrifice that they had to make. To consecrate this child to the Lord, there, there was a sacrifice that had to be made. And when you talk about the sacrifice of two doves and two pigeons, it led you to believe that Mary and Joseph were not people of means because people of means would have sacrificed a lamb. But the doves or the pigeons would be more economical for them. They could afford this. And so the law had made arrangements and provisions in there in case a person of poor means showed up to consecrate their child, they could afford to do so. And so Mary and Joseph were not people of means. All right, so now we go on. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I bet most of you have heard the song by Faith Hill, A Baby Changes Everything. I'm sure other people have recorded it since Faith, but she was the one that originally recorded it. But the people who wrote that song were a guy by the name of Tim Nichols, Craig Wiseman, and Craig's wife, the Reverend K.K. Wiseman. And the song was actually born, no pun intended, from a sermon that K.K. had preached. Now, I hope that we all know the truth about a baby changes everything. One of the questions that I have on a pre-marriage inventory is, is a true false question. Our relationship will be better when we have a baby. Our relationship will be better when we have a baby. I, I want to tell them that, uh, no, I, I want to reach word that question. I think that question ought to be, will we even have a relationship after we have a baby? That, that's, what I, that's what I really want to do. A baby changes everything for Simeon. And, and it was really a very significant change, and, and I want to say a life-altering change, or in his case, a life fulfilling change. But because of seeing this baby, Simeon had, had a peace about his entire life. Because of seeing this baby, Simeon you know, saw salvation. And because of seeing this baby, Simeon saw that there was hope, literally, for the entire world. What were the first words out of Simeon's mouth? When he saw this 41-day-old baby, what were the first words out of his mouth? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know, Simeon had been waiting, what were the words I read earlier, for the, whole, for the consolation of Israel. He'd been waiting his entire life for the consolation 
of Israel. When, when you think of that word console, that word literally means comfort. And the Holy Spirit, whom Simeon had in his life, guiding and directing him, the Holy Spirit, who we see in the New Testament, is often called the comforter. He, he knew that Israel needed comfort. Israel needed comfort during this time because of there was there was grief and there was disappointment because of what was going on in in the temple, truthfully, but also with uh, greater Israel and being under Roman rule, Roman control. Simeon had been waiting his entire life for this moment, and and God had let him know hey, you're going to see the Messiah. And at that very sight of Jesus, Simeon had peace. Now, now part of that peace was knowing that his prayers had been answered. Uh, part of that peace was knowing that God had come through. Knowing that all the, the waiting and all the praying had not been in vain, but it, it, was, it was also knowing that you know, the future, that peace about having, having the future be actually be in a good place too. You know, I think when, when, for most of us, I think most of us, when our prayers are answered, there is a certain amount of peace that we feel, you know, and I guess maybe for some of us it's relief. You know, we've been praying for a long time and then those prayers get answered and it's relief, like, oh, God, you're real. Right? We sort of feel like that many times. When, when, and when God comes through with us, with us whatever it is, uh, whatever that come, wherever he comes through, there's, there's also an amount of, of certainty. We feel that certainty. Yes, God, you're there. God, you, you came through. You know? and, and what I mean is, is we, we all have doubts, you know, particularly if we're a person that's been praying for something or praying for someone for a long time, and in Simeon's case, decades, you know, when you're doing going along that far and that, that length of time, doubts are going to creep in. It's only natural. I mean, we're, we're only human. And, and when we feel like God is not listening to us, when we feel like that, that uh, we keep praying day in and day out, nothing changes, we're going to actually doubt. doubt. God, are you listening? God, are you there? God, uh, do you even care? So, so all, all that is creeping in there. So, so when, when God does come through, you know, we, we take time to celebrate it. And, and in Simeon's case, the celebration was God like, I'm good now. I am good. Now, now what else does Simeon say? For my eyes have seen your salvation. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What does salvation mean for Simeon? You know, what does salvation mean for Simeon? He, w- he was a man of faith. He was powered, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in him, talking to him, guiding and directing him. We know all that. So what was salvation for Simeon? Is, is, did he personally need salvation? No, nah, probably not. That, that wasn't the case for him. Um, but we know that for many of the Israelites... They wanted someone to save them from the Romans. That's what they wanted. That they wanted someone to give them freedom from being under Roman rule. Now, many of us, when we think of, quote-unquote, being saved, because you think of the word salvation, 
we think, particularly in South Alabama area, in the Wiregrass area, we think of being saved, and that's sort of the vernacular that we use. We do think about it as an individual experience. We, we understand we don't inherit. We can't inherit it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't manufacture it. And, and, it's, and it's not reserved for a particular group of people. But Simeon recognizes something about this baby that will save people. Now, maybe not in a sense that people wanted to be saved, but in a sense of the way people needed to be saved. And we actually get a clue to what Simeon is thinking about salvation in this next verse. Uh, in NIV, it's a light for revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. But then in NLT translation, he is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel. So, so you, you, I hope you caught the differences there. Just a slight difference because this is not salvation just for the Israelites. Uh, that, that's made clear here. God is not just a God for the Israelites. Because that NIV translation, uh, it was a revelation to the Gentiles, but that NLT translation you see there, a God to the nations. In other words, God to everybody else that is not Israel. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's, what we're, that's the salvation that is being brought to bear here. Okay? That this is not who the majority of the people wanted. The majority of the people of the Israelites, who Simeon was one, they, they wanted their own hero. And there had been a number of quote-unquote messiahs that had shown up and all had been killed. Insurrections after insurrection had occurred in the last couple hundred years before the birth of Jesus. Every time somebody rose up trying to lead an insurrection to overthrow the Romans, they were killed. And those people a lot of times were labeled as Messiah. So a lot of false messiahs had come along. So they wanted people that were clamoring. They were waiting for their own hero. They wanted their own knight in shining armor. That's what they wanted. And we like those type of people. You know, we, we like, why do we like Rocky so much? Because we got to cheer Rocky as, as a people's champion, right? In, in South Africa, Nelson Mandela was cheered by the majority of his nation because he was, quote-unquote, the people's champion. Uh, we think of people in, a, in our own history, Jackie Robinson, you know, was just a hero. He, he was a champion. Audie Murphy, uh, that most of you probably do not know, was a World War II hero. If you watch Westerns, you saw him in acting in a lot of Westerns, but the, the dude, till he was 50 years old, looked like a little kid. But he was a World War II hero. Martin Luther King spoke for all the people, right? So, so we like our own heroes. We, we like to champion them. But Jesus was not just confined to a race. Jesus was not just limited to a small segment of the world, a small segment of the population. He was hope for all the world. He was hope for all the world. So, so we celebrate Jesus' birth, a birth that leads to a changed world. A birth that leads to changed lives. And a birth that leads 
and brings light to a dark world. How will that light shine? How will that light shine? Well, that truthfully, this is, this is Christmas Day, and um, it's a topic of conversation, right? So that light is shining in, in the midst of our celebrations and of our breakfasts and our dinners and lunches and exchanging of gifts. Jesus is a topic, and, and, and we're going to get in there at some point, right? Hey, the, the gifts that we exchange today pale in, in comparison to the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of grace, and the gift of forgiveness. So we, so we remember and celebrate each other with the gifts that we give each other, but we also understand that the gift of Jesus is even greater than all of these things that we're doing today combined. So, so the, the light is being shown in our homes and in our gatherings on this Christmas day. But what about tomorrow? What will you do? Besides standing in line to return stuff, all right, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do next week? Simeon was ready for his life to be over because he had peace. You, however, you can be ready for your life to begin because of the peace that Jesus brings. Allow God to do a work in your life. Uh, accept the salvation he offers. Live a life of hope and be the light that shines in our dark world. When you go out this week and the days to come, what will people see? I pray that they see the light of Christ in you. God, we thank you that we're able to celebrate this day, the day that, that you broke through time and space and entered our world so that we would have a way to enter yours. May we never forget what you have done for us and what you continue to do for us. May we be the light of the world that shines the light of Christ each and every day. Amen and amen.